0: Well, thanks for sharing uh, with, uh, I got some dream jobs I'm going to share with you here in a little bit. Uh, But as Mark mentioned, we are starting a new series tonight that we're calling Revive. And the definition of revive uh, just gets me excited. Sometimes you read Webster's Dictionary and you're like, oh yeah, Webster, you got it, man. Uh, The definition of revive is this, to return to consciousness or life to become active or flourishing again. Is there anybody in this room that needs to return to consciousness to become active or flourishing again? That's right. That's right. Uh, Psalm 85.6 says this, Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. And that is our prayer as a community, that our God would revive us again. Amen. Tonight, we are going to focus on this idea of asking God to revive our purpose. Our purpose in life. What is our purpose? So when I was a kid, I uh, had this tennis racket. It was sort of a magical tennis racket. Uh, I wasn't actually very good at tennis, but what would happen is at night when everybody had gone to bed, I would pull out my Walkman Most of you won't know what a Walkman is. (laughs) It was this pinnacle of technology at the time. You put a cassette tape in this portable player that had AA batteries. And you could listen to up to like 12 songs. It was amazing, it was so great. So I'd take my Walkman and I'd put it on my pants and I'd put the headphones over and then I'd pull out my magical tennis racket and it would transform into a guitar. And I would stand on my bed, and it would be a stage, and the room would transform into a big concert. And all night for like an hour, not all night, one hour, one hour at a time, I would give the people what they wanted, you know? I would be a rock and roll god. I, at that moment, my purpose was to just rock people's faces off. Uh, later in life, uh, I uh, loved the ocean, and so I started exploring the career of marine biology. I loved eating shrimp and crab legs, <laughs> and, and I loved looking at dolphins and whales. And so I did a paper on marine biology, and it turns out to be a marine biologist, you have to do biology. Who knew? And it turns out that biology is a part of science. Uh, who knew? And I did not like science, so <laughs> my purpose was not marine biology. So then I, tr- uh, I went in sort of the astronaut route. I watched a movie called Apollo 13, and uh, I did a paper on the International Space Station. Uh, but it turns out astronauts are really just mathematicians. <laughs> and uh, I'm not very good at math, so that purpose <laughs> went down the drain. Uh, so year after year, I'd try on a new, man, this could be my thing and for me, the question, what is my purpose, was related to a job or a career. Uh, but as I began to get deeper in my life, I realized what I was really searching for was, what am I here for? What's my, what's my meaning? Why was I created? And this, my friends, is what <laughs> we are all wrestling with. This is not a me Kind of problem. This is not a Christian question. This is not an American question. This is a human question. What is my purpose? What is my meaning? I love this. A few years ago, some scientists at John Hopkins University surveyed uh, 8,000 college students at 48 universities and asked what they considered uh, was very important to them going forward in life. Uh, What do you think college students said? Like, get a home, get a job, get married. Uh, but this is, this is what the results were. Only 16% answered, making a lot of money. But a whopping 75% said their first goal was finding a purpose and a meaning to my life. This is what we're all searching for and looking for. Uh, there's a guy named Viktor Frankl. Uh, he wrote a book that's been so influential to me called Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl uh, was in uh, a concentration camp during Holocaust, and he was also a psychologist. And what he noticed as he looked at people in this concentration camp, uh, there there was a group of people that were able to persevere under the suffering, and there was another group of people that ended up taking their own life. And the difference between the two was that one believed there's some deep meaning And purpose behind this all, that they could find God amidst it. And Viktor Frankl says this, I just love it. He says, Life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. This is a huge, huge topic. And I think there's two main streams of thinking when it comes to meaning and purpose. There's a lot of nuances in it, but the two main kinds of thinking there's one kind of thinking that says uh, life is an accident. It's random. We're sort of here randomly. And now there's other little streams out of this, a lot of complexities, but usually you can choose sort of a nihilistic approach and get really dark, like we're all here as an accident, so it doesn't matter. Or you can sort of take another stream and say, yeah, we're all here randomly. But I'm going to make the best of it. Some of my friends have chosen this path. Like I'm going to try to cont- contribute to society. So that's one stream. And then another stream is uh, those of us who believe that life has intention. That somehow we, in our gut, whether we uh, have seen it somewhere, we just believe somehow we were created for some kind of meaning, some kind of purpose. And tonight, that's what we're going to explore together. So let's jump into uh, the Bible. Uh, and for me, just a little bonus thought, a lot of people look at the Bible the, that it's a rule, a, a rule book, a lot of do's and don'ts. But my personal belief is the Bible is about meaning and purpose in itself. So let's jump in at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1. Up to this point, uh, God has created, uh, according to this story, God has created animals, and he's created light and dark in the environment and the world. And each time he creates it, he says, it is good, it is good. And then finally, he saves the best for last on the sixth day. So verse 26 says this, and God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Another bonus thought right here. This is free. This is you don't have to pay for this one. Uh, <laughs> the rule over all of these things, some people take that in sort of authoritative authoritative way. But I interpret that as like we are to watch over this world. We are to watch over animals and the environment. Just saying. Okay. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So there's this idea that you and I were created in his image. And as I've been learning this, this concept the past few years, it's been transforming my way of thinking. Uh, What this is called in theology, this little concept, is called Imago Dei. Turn to somebody next to you and say, Imago Dei. Dei. Brilliant, brilliant. Imago Dei means in the image of God, in the image of God. Uh, Last week uh, at our cafe Easter services, I brought my son here, and I brought him on stage. And as I was walking down, someone came up to me, and they were like, oh, there's like there's no guessing who his father is. And then she said this phrase, it's a unique phrase, she said, he's the spitting image of his dad. The spitting image, what a weird phrase, right? I actually uh, researched that phrase and no one knows where that phrase comes from. (laughs) Uh, There's some different theories, but spitting image has been around our culture for a long time and nobody really knows where it came from. But what was she saying in that moment? She was saying your son bears your likeness. He looks like you. And she specifically was talking about physical appearance, right? Uh, But it's so evident throughout the week, every day, my wife or I will turn to each other and our kids will be doing something. And we're like, oh, that's you. That's you right there. (laughs) What she just said or what he just ate. uh, That's you. Constantly, constantly, We're watching our kids, and we're seeing they are made in our image, which is a little scary. (laughs) They're made in our likeness. They bear our likeness, and it's mind-blowing. But Scripture is telling us that you and I bear the likeness of God, our Creator. Now, why is this so important? Because first, this speaks to intentionality that God has not created you by accident. You are here for a purpose. Regardless of your ethnicity or your gender or your perceived flaws, you are made in the image of God. And for some of you tonight, this, this is your main takeaway. This is what you need to hear tonight, uh, that you are not an accident, that you are intentional. I don't care if you are an accident from your parents. I don't care if you were adopted, you weren't an accident from our God. He looks on you with intention, and you were made in His image. Now, here's the other thing that's so important about it. Every person, all of us, bears the image of God, but we see that we can actually learn and grow how to reflect this image of God more and more. Uh, We see in the New Testament that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. Jesus is sort of the ultimate image of God, and we can grow to, to look more and more like him. Uh, Colossians 3 says it like this, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So we can grow in our ability to bear the image of God. So that's all great, but what does it have to do with my purpose? What's the connection to why am I here? What's the purpose? Uh, Let's read this first from Isaiah 43, 7. Isaiah says this, uh, For you are called by my name. And here it is. I created you for my glory. I created you for my glory. This is the big why. We are created in his image to reflect and magnify the fullness and the beauty of our Creator, to give Him glory. Now, you might be asking, like, what does it mean to give glory to God? Maybe in your head you're thinking of the rapper or the athlete that comes on the stage after they've won something, and they're like, I give all the, all the glory to my Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're like, oh, I don't know if that's it. Or maybe you're thinking of someone like me in, in, in high school, I played uh, baseball. And I'd write scriptures all over my baseball glove. And if I got a hit, every time I got a hit, I'd just pray, that's for you, Jesus. That's for you, <laughs> for your glory. It's like, I might have been taking it a little, little too literally, maybe. Uh, it's not that. If that's our purpose, to try to accomplish things and just constantly give God the glory just through the way we say things, that's a pretty lame purpose. It's so much more beautiful and meaningful than that. So, what I'd like to do to help you give some images of what glory is, what giving glory to God can look like, I want to give you three different images of how I uh, how I look at it a little bit. Okay. So first, uh, have a picture. Hit me with it, Kevin. He's running graphics. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. The shout out's for Kevin. It's not for my cute dog. That's not fair. Okay, so here's the story behind this picture. That is my cute dog. Her name is Hurley. She's getting to be a little old right now, uh, but this was when I moved to California. Now, what's interesting about this picture is uh, I was traveling there with my friend of mine. We were so excited we'd never seen the Grand Canyon. And so uh, we, you know we were so pumped to see it, and we drove up, and we, we saw these blue, you know, we saw this area. There weren't a lot of cars. We're like, oh, that must be the Grand Canyon. That's awesome. We're here. We made it. And so we pulled over, and we're like, this is sort of weird that nobody else is here, but this has got to be it. And so we walk up closer, and as you can see, we're like, whoa, okay, that's pretty cool. People are right. This is a pretty cool canyon. So (laughs) this is a picture of me and my dog at what I now call the fake Grand Canyon. (laughs) We weren't even at it yet. So we're taking pictures, and we're like, yeah, this is pretty awesome. This is great. And then, uh, so we're like, okay, I think we did the Grand Canyon. Let's go. And we keep driving, and we're driving for a little while. And then we, we pull up to this big, like, arch, and it says, welcome to Grand Canyon National Forest. <laughs> and we were like, that, that's weird. We were just at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> like, and so we keep driving it, and we started seeing more cars, and more people are like, oh, interesting. And then finally, right, we pull up. this main area and there's people everywhere and we start walking up and if you've been there you know what I'm gonna say we start walking up and we're expecting to say something to each other and we were speechless breath just took it away just expanse upon expanse it was it was undeniable it's unbelievable we didn't know what to say to each other the immensity the bigness the massiveness. And in that moment, something like that shows the glory of God. Have you ever been uh, to the ocean and you're just captivated by the waves and the vast sea? Have you ever stood on a mountain and just looked around and been like, wow, your breath is taken away? Man, I grew up in Oklahoma where there's no lights and really no cities to speak of, and you could drive out in the middle of the night, and you'd look up at the stars, and you just go, wow, wow. And you ask yourself, who did this? Wow. takes your breath away. Something bigger is going on here. That's the first image I think of when I think of glory. There's these things that God has created. The heavens and the earth declare the glory of the Lord. That's what the psalmist says. So we see the, the, just the bigness of the world. That's one way we can see the glory of God. So here, another image uh, right up here. I'm sure you guys were curious. Uh, this is a sunflower. Yeah? Summer type of a flower. I picked it up on my way here from Safeway. Uh, <laughs> um, man. Have you ever sat in front of a piece of creation, maybe it's a tree, maybe it's a flower, maybe it's a dog, and you just start looking at it, and you see the smallness. So you see the bigness, of the Grand Canyon, the ocean, the mountain, you're like, wow. But then you look at this, you guys can't really see it right now, but I'm just looking in here, and the detail, the vivid detail, just like piece by piece, it's magnificent like a work of art. And then you learn more about uh, quantum physics, which I actually don't know anything about, but I love reading about it. Because as we go smaller and smaller and smaller, we see like, whoa, who thought of these things? Where does this attention to detail come from? It's magnificent. Maybe you can look in someone's eyes you've ever done that before it's like a world of stars and galaxies in someone's eyes it's brilliant what does this show it shows the intention of our God scripture tells us that God knows every hair on our head how many we have so he creates the stars the galaxy the Grand Canyon yet he knows the hairs on your head that shows the glory of God to me now third image I want to give you uh, is actually a song, and I want to try to help transport you to a moment with me a few years ago in Chicago. Uh, there's a band called Sigur Rós, and uh, I was a really big punk rock fan, and so this is the first show I went to where you actually sat down, and we're in the Chicago Theater. And this is an Icelandic band, and the, the lead singer plays the electric guitar with a violin bow. It's magnificent. We're in the Chicago Theater, just ornate details, magnificent. There's people sitting around, uh, strangers we've never met, and they're playing a song like this. And I look around at the people around me, and we're crying and we're worshiping. Because in this moment, we see the beauty of creation. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever seen a work of art? watch maybe a film, a certain kind of music for you, and something in your heart says, mm, there's more to this. There's more beauty. There's more glory to this. This is what our God is like. When we're in awe through art, film, painting, we realize that creativity points to a creator. This is the glory of God. This is what I'm trying to show you guys tonight, that this is our purpose. See, God didn't make the Grand Canyon in his image. God didn't make flowers in his image. His greatest creation, the one he wants to speak through the most, is you and me. We are His grand masterpiece, and our purpose in life is to give Him glory, to show people the love and the beauty, the intention, and the joy of our Creator. It's so good. Every piece of beauty, art, every act of generosity, every laughing baby, every act of selflessness, all the goodness of this world points and remind us that this world is not an accident, that there's hope, and there's love, and there's joy. So my friends, I believe this is our purpose. So the question is, how does this look practically? How can you apply this? How does this look for you? I, I've got some few a few observations that I've noticed about how we can give glory to God every day in the things that we do. The first thing is this. Your purpose. That's the second one. The first one. Your purpose involves doing what makes you feel alive. Okay? It's okay if we go in different yeah your purpose equals being fully, fully alive. I love this quote by Saint Ar- uh, Rhenius. It says, the glory of God is man and women fully alive. It makes sense. God created us, and when we are most alive, we are living into our image. What makes us feel alive? Uh, I, I have a family member, and a few years back, uh, he was talking to me, and I was like, man, what do you want to do with your life? And he was, uh, had a very vulnerable moment where he said, you know, I actually just feel so much joy and meaning when I coach. I think I want to be a coach, but then he said this. He said, "Here's the problem, though. You know my wife, and she loves like expensive things. Uh, she loves to live a fancy life, and so I don't think I'll, I'll ever be a coach. I just need to make a lot of money." And I look back years after that conversation; it just makes me a little sad because. He was fully alive when he was doing this thing, but instead he pursued what he thought he was supposed to pursue. And how many of us do that? How many of us get lost in, uh, I need to make enough money, or I need to do this certain thing, when God's saying, man, I want you to just pursue what makes you feel alive so you can glorify me. And to be clear, I'm not talking just about career and profession. Actually, next week, we're going to be talking about our calling And what that looks like. But this could be, uh, maybe you feel alive when you uh, make a dinner for somebody and you have people over. You could feel alive when you serve the homeless. What makes you feel alive? What do you love the process of? That's a great question when you're thinking about your purpose. What do you just get lost when you're doing something? That could speak to what God has made you to do. In this movie called Chariots uh, of Fire, uh, this, this runner, the main character says this, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. What is that in your life? When you do it, you just feel alive. The more you do that, the more you're going to give glory to God. For me, part of my journey in coming here to Sanctuary is I just love uh, creating uh, content with words and communicating And I love the process of it. I still got a long ways to go. I still got a lot to learn, but I just enjoy it. It helps me feel like I'm alive and give glory to God. Now, what happens when we don't do this? What happens when we pursue things that don't make us fully alive? Over time, uh, we become more and more cynical. We can start blaming our lives on circumstances and others instead of realizing we are created to give glory to God. Now, the second thing is this. Your purpose does not take place in the future. This is a huge one. So many of us say, oh, yeah, when I get that dream job, when I become a professional writer, or when I finally start that startup, or I become a full-time entrepreneur, or I become a a full-time teacher, whatever it is, we'll we'll put our purpose on the future. Like, when that happens, that's my dream. That's my purpose. so interesting thing about this concept, um, my wife is pregnant right now, okay? So often, don't judge her. She'll be watching this online, so she'll know if you do. Uh, but she'll ask me to, uh, to go get her something to eat, you're right? <laughs> the stereotypes are true about pregnant women. And recently, we've discovered this, uh, this boutique taco shop in Sunnyvale. It's called Taco Bell. And so we've been going <laughs> to it a lot lately. And uh, I'll go, I started going there like six months ago. And I'd pull up to the drive-thru. And the first time I did, uh, I, I got welcomed by this worker. And man, I thought he was messing with me. He was just like, hi, welcome to Taco Bell. It's a great night, isn't it? And I was like, dude, what? Are, you, are you playing a joke on me right now? And so then I get to the window, and he's just like, how are you doing tonight? Got your tacos here. And I was just like, are you for real, man? I don't know. And uh, the more I went back, because we've been going a lot, <laughs> uh, uh, the, every time I go, it's, he's not messing with me. This is this dude. He is having a blast working at Taco Bell. He's enjoying the moment. And I just enjoy being there. I'm like, I'm doing great, man. How are you? Thanks for the tacos. See you later. See you next week. Uh, <laughs> I hope Lori doesn't watch this one online. Huh? Okay. Uh, now contrast that with a uh, couple weeks ago, I went to get my wife a coffee, uh, this boutique coffee shop in Sunnyvale, Starbucks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you get the joke now. Okay. So I walk in and it was one of those situations. I wonder if you've ever had this before where you walk up to the counter and you almost feel <laughs> sorry for asking for something. <laughs> the guy was just in a bad mood. He didn't want to look at me. He's just like, what, what do you want? And I'm just like, might I please have, <laughs> like, you're just like, oh, dude, I know. Here's the deal. I think it's safe to assume both of these people, these are not their dream jobs, right? Like, neither one of them, this, they want this to be their ending place. One of these people has learned how to make the most of his moment. He's learned how to live in the present. The other person has become a victim of his circumstances, and he's saying, well, this is not my place. I'm going to do that. Where Taco Bell guy is able to say, yeah, I'm going to do that, but I'm also going to do this right now. And that just speaks to me because there's a fallacy that our purpose will exist one day. God gives us this day. So maybe you're a student, and you're waiting for the future. God is calling you to bring glory to his name right now. Maybe you're in a job or you're an intern or you're waiting for the next step. Man, how can you bring glory to God in the way you come to work every single day, every single moment? There's a verse in Luke that says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in much. God's looking at you and he's saying, are you gonna live and glorify my name in these little things. And then we'll see if you can do the, the big things. Now, the final one. Your purpose is bigger than yourself. This is a huge one. I recent, r- recently read psychologists talk about two approaches to life. There's the taker approach, where you go through life just saying, what can you, what can you give me? What can I take from this? What is life presenting me with? And then there's the giver approach, where you approach life by saying, what value can I add to others? What can I bring into this world? This is not a new concept. (laughs) This is not a new concept at all. Scripture says that love is not self-seeking. A guy named Jesus said this, the core of life comes down to this, love God and love people. Your purpose is not about your dream job. It's not about all that you can accomplish or fulfill yourself with. Your purpose is how you can bring glory to God and how you can bring meaning and love to others. What happens if we don't do this? We miss what God has created us to be. It's not about a job. It's not about a title. God wants you to be his image-bearer, to show others the beauty and the fullness of who he is. Final thing. Uh, When I lived in Chicago, suburbs of, uh, I had a buddy there uh, who was, by that point, probably close to 70s. His name was Dave. And you would see Dave throughout the week. He would be longboarding around our suburb. It was so cool. This old guy uh, dressed in hippie clothes, And Dave, originally from California, he moved to Chicago. And he started like a a skateboard shop. And it was sort of a hippie shop as well. They sell like Birkenstocks (laughs) and hippie clothing. And uh, Dave uh, was so inspiring to me. He was the kind of guy that lived with purpose and intention. He was the kind of guy, when you went to talk with him, uh, you felt like you were the only person in the world he just uh, talked to you in his, his hippie way of talking, and he would just calm you down. He'd make you feel like you mattered. And the cool thing is he started uh, making his parking lot sort of like a little uh, place to skate, essentially, like a little skate park. And teenagers would come there that didn't feel welcome at home, and the skate shop became their home. And Dave was a follower of Jesus. He loved Jesus. Uh, and he didn't like preach Jesus to them. He just lived it out. He showed these these kids what it meant to be loved and honored and have a safe place. And I was in student ministries at the time. And over the years, we'd have random kids come in and they would start learning about Jesus. And we'd be like, where'd you come from? What, what brought you here? And they're like, man, I've just been at Dave's skate shop. And I started like seeing what he was all about, what he lived for. And it made me want to do the same thing. And I remember seeing this, and I was like, oh, 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 oh. It's that simple. It's that simple. We try to complicate it. What's my big purpose? What's my big meaning? It's to show the glory of God. It's to love God and to love people. It's living in the moment of what God's given us and living to the full so that people will see the beauty of our creator. So that's my challenge for you guys, is how can you do that? How can you live fully alive? How can you live not for the future, but in the present, wherever God has placed you right now? And how can you live for something bigger than yourself? Let's pray together. God, I'm so thankful for who you are. as I just think about all that you've created. Again, I'm just reminded of the beauty and the fullness. And God, my desire is that people would know you, that they would see the joy and the hope and the purpose that you bring. And Father, my prayer for us in this room is that you would uh, just convict us, you would energize us, that you would revive us to remember that this life is about more than our own fulfillment, But our purpose is to honor you and give glory to who you are. So we thank you for these moments. We ask that even uh, right now, that you would stir in our heart this desire to praise you and worship you for who you are, and what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.